0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to We're Just Talking. This is your host, Julian, and I'm with your other host, Carly. Say hi, Carly. Hello. Hey, guys. How you doing? Nice to hear from you again, as always. My asshole is puckering. Uh- um. <clears throat> okay. and um, It's election night. Okay. Yeah. Carly is definitely over recording. here sweating fucking balls.
1: We're recording on election night, which is a questionable choice. And I, I went back and forth. Um, When Alan listens to this, just know that I went back and forth with the idea of, you know, taking my own advice and giving us a mental health week here and not even recording today. But this is a topic that I think we can all get behind. So um, I wanted to record about it anyway. And I feel like this little break from doom scrolling and staring at the, uh, at the the election electoral vote map is going to ease my nerves at least i hope but uh yeah for right now my asshole is puckering julian doesn't really seem concerned which is uh perplexing
0: no i am concerned okay i'm just trying to hold it together okay because what do you want me to do uh
1: i don't want you to do anything but um you know it it just stresses me out that my reaction is just so adverse because you're just like la-di-da julian land
0: maybe i'm trying not to fully think about it right now yeah i'm 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 trying not to sweat bullets
1: yeah well that's privilege you know what that is that's privilege okay 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 but that's a conversation for another day you're a
0: dick you know that yeah no you're a dick um, that's rude
1: yeah so uh we're sitting here i think it, what time is it 10 to 9 eastern time yeah uh 10 to 9 this, eastern time so this is uh far too early uh to have any kind of semblance of an idea of how this election is going to turn out but you know somehow these news networks make me on the edge of my seat for hours on end knowing full well that this isn't going to come to a to an end until maybe a few days from now a few weeks from now a few months from now we really don't know so uh no sense in stressing about it even though uh no matter how much i say that to myself i can't help but stress about it
0: yeah you're you look to be in a good position right now uh,
1: yeah yeah uh yeah. most important election of our lifetime but anyway agreed uh that aside uh and I feel like we have to mention this every time we talk on this podcast cuz it's an election year and it's just it just really is important it, it really is like the most important thing i've ever voted in probably the most important thing julian's ever voted in and yeah that's kind of where we're at so
0: i've almost never felt this way towards almost anything before anything yeah, yeah.
1: and i was like oh don't let you know don't let the election ruin your your family and friend relationships it, oh it is it is ru- it is challenging and ruining yeah. my relationship relationships you know yeah, sure. and it's sort of beyond my control now my mom and I had a discussion about it. it's like sort of like outside of my own you know, what I can control about my mood and behaviors. So, yeah, that's where we're at. It's pretty cool. I mean, I mean, of all things that this election has done, it, I mean, it's made everybody just miserable. So that's a pretty cool byproduct of this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're at. But uh today our topic is veterans, veterans in the military. Um, This topic, I know we mentioned it. I think it was during our pilot episode. And I think we also mentioned it
0: a couple times. Yeah. We,
1: we definitely talked seasons. about it in our political episode. Um, we definitely talked about it when we were talking about careers and stuff like that because Julian you know a big part of Julian's come- up was uh was the military and his military experience and I'm hoping that he'll share a little bit more about kind of his process today and kind of what he you know expects to get more from you know veteran support in this country and veteran assistance things of that nature I know it's a big plot political platform but I think from a, an actual veterans perspective uh you know it's helpful to know like what exactly you know they're going through you know mentally emotionally and in the transition between being a citizen and being in the military right
0: yeah so if, if you want to do this to where like you ask questions maybe yeah I no provide i think i you some answers yeah i
1: think that would be helpful so why don't we just get started with like what was, so what was your like i know the answer to this but i obviously want like our audience to hear it what was your main objective in joining the army like in other words what first gave you the idea and what was your motivation
0: so um ever since i was a little boy (laughs) that sounds cliche ever since i was a kid i don't know i was just fascinated by the military and uh fascinated by yeah just by just by the military and growing up i always kind of wanted to be in it you know i always talk about you know i'm gonna join the army or i'm gonna join the marines or i'm gonna be a navy seal or i'm gonna be a power ranger or i'm gonna be captain america you know like so i always i always um i always that that was kind of how I grew up, like being a kid, you know, uh, astronaut or this, that, the other, just being a regular kid. But... As I got older, it was still something that I always had in the back of my mind, and um, I was always very interested and curious about it, and I really wanted to, to um, you know, explore it as an option. So, while I was in high school, let's just say that in in high school, like, I never really knew what I wanted to do after high school. I didn't know, you know, I didn't want to follow the status quo, you know, which, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but, excuse me, where I, um, you know, where I grew up, very proud to be from Neptune, New Jersey, but, um, you know, for the, for the most part, I guess the stereotype was like, oh, you know, you go to Neptune after Neptune, like, you go to Brookdale and you work a part-time drivers, something like that. Not not there's that there's anything wrong with that at all you know And that was a huge option for me basically going into my senior year of high school Um, a huge option to where uh, I you know that would probably be it and you know I would figure it out from there and hopefully you know um, move on and get a good high-paying job doing something that interests me that was kind of like what the status quo was right so back on topic now joining the military again um, it was always in the back of my mind I explored options I, I spoke to a few recruiters about it I kind of just went to the army me um i don't know i don't know really why i decided to go to the army over the marine corps that was gonna be my
1: next question but
0: (laughs) well you know no answer it no 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 no, 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 i'll 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 get on i'll be the next question okay but basically um like i said it was something that i always was interested in doing something that i was always interested in doing but never really thought that i would do it until high school came along and you know the the reality of actually that becoming a reality got closer and closer and closer, and then um, went through a couple things. My senior year of high school, I would say the summer of my senior year, going into high school. You know, Go I,
1: before going the senior year. Yeah, before oh, okay. going to
0: senior year. I remember I was I was playing football, but uh, my father had passed away, and that kind of hit me hard, and it was uh, a little rough. For a seventeen-year-old, um, you know, teenager to uh, to deal with something like that, especially when it's uh, unexpected. So, you know, I don't know what it was, but I I knew that me something triggered in me when that happened, and I knew that um, I wasn't gonna just follow the status quo. I wasn't just going to uh, do something easy or not necessarily easy, but I wasn't just gonna do something that again was maybe expected of routine, me. Yeah. Routine, routine, expected of me, and oh, this is just the way, this is what you do. No, mm-hmm. so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna join. In the army and I uh <clears throat> so uh, basically I joined the army when I was 17 about a month before I turned 18 I was in you know mid senior year of high school still in high school um so I had to wait obviously to ship until uh to basic training until after I graduated high school which is no problem um I ended up shipping to basic training two weeks after I graduated high school at 18 years old but uh so I enlisted then and I, I originally enlisted just in the reserves because I was 17 years old I didn't really know what I was doing you know and I and I picked the job in in the reserves, it was kind of like a lo- like a logistical specialist, um, a su- like a supply analyst, and I so I went to basic training, and then I went to job training, and then when I got back for about five months of being away, I got back and I noticed that oh shit, like what am I gonna do next? Like I'm kind of working a part time job because at the time I was only in the Army Reserve the time I um was working like uh like at um Ruby Tuesdays, and then not really doing much else. I hadn't been enrolled in school yet, Uh so again something triggering in me. Um, um, to where I was like, no, nah, I gotta, I need to go active duty. Contacted uh, my recruiter, let him know what was up, said I wanted to go active duty. And basically, couple, like about a month later, uh, I was able to, they were able to release me from the Army Reserve and then activate me into the active army. And then they basically shit me right the hell off. To, okay. So uh, this
1: was, wait, just so that I understand the timeline. Mm-hmm. You made the decision to go active army before you were shipped to boot camp? No, after. After? Yeah. So before job training? No, after that. After job training? Yeah. Okay. So I think what was what was gonna be oh yeah um so recruitment so someone decides they're gonna be in the military what's your first step like what did you do first did you talk to someone or had you already made up your mind or were you kind of looking for another opinion were they like so was the recruitment section of the military helpful in clarifying things for you and kind of answering any questions that you had or were they just kind of like nah, sign this paper like be a patriot type of
0: thing (laughs) um that's a good question a lot of gray area there in that within within this answer um it, it, it's it's weird because they have you have to think about this the army is a business. Right, so the military is a business. It doesn't matter what branch, it's a business. So like they have their quota and they have recruitment goals that they have to meet and metrics metrics they have to follow. So you know, it, I didn't feel necessarily rushed, but like I feel like army recruitment they take away the the uncertainty about it. They almost want to almost rush you into being. Oh, you're here to join the army, and the marine corps. Okay, cool. So um, so we're gonna do is that this is we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. Um, you can have this job, that job. We can take this test, that test. This physical, this physical, that physical, and then you know be you good. Be good to go. So yeah. it's kind of
1: like they take out the lineup, sign up type thing.
0: Lineup, sign up. Yeah, they they take out the uncertainty in it, and they want to you know drive you right through because again they have they have numbers that, they, that these recruiters need to hit. So therefore again so fulfill
1: the military needs. Yeah. So okay. same
0: same thing as if you if you if you meet a recruiter from um Facebook or Amazon or any like big tech or whatever company you know, and you're going through the recruitment process, it's kind of the same. And uh, along the long lines of they want to string you through, and they and they want to get you you know onboarded because. Because they want to hit that quota. Sure. So that's more of it than anything else. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you're recruited, you complete boot camp. I think I feel like a popular civilian question is like, how hard is boot camp? Is it is it something that truly weeds people out, or do you only get to that point when you're going like special forces?
0: Um, no, so boot camp, what what the biggest mind fuck of it all, in my opinion, is it hard if you thinking about it now, like not really, right? Thinking about it now. You know this is i went to camp about 18 years old i'm 31 now thinking about it now was it hard in in reality no
1: mentally and physically we're talking so if there's a, if there's a distinction between those two just so yeah
0: and, and i and i will i think my yeah. next couple of, couple of statements mentally and physically is it hard like i would say this physically you just need to you need to be in shape like don't go to basic training like not in shape people do go to basic training not in shape uh and they tend to struggle a little bit more because of the fact that like i mean you need basic like you need to be able to run you need to be able to do push-ups you need to be able do sit-ups and need to be able to just be active right if you can do that deal with the deal with the, and deal with the heat deal with the cold um like you're you're fine like you're, sure. you're good like if you can just do that like if you're a pt stud they call them like you're good because you're not going to physically you're going to be able to accomplish any physical test that you're given okay without really much of an issue and that's the easy that's the easy part right right the, the hardest part so i would say the physical part as long as you show up you know in somewhat relatively decent shape you know and i came right from high school playing sports so i was like you right. know i, I I was could i have been in better shape going to boot camp yes but i was also like just i game. think we were i
1: mean and for the most part we're all studs when we come out of high school if you did any kind of high school sport i mean
0: yeah yeah so <laughs> so i'd quote unquote like so, best shape of your life type of stuff so i would say like for the most part the physical stuff really wasn't that much it was more the mental um and this is the biggest issue with that is the fact that when you go to basic training you're transitioning from being a civilian most of the time you're a freaking kid you're a teenager yeah you know what i mean so you're 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 coming from living whatever life you live, whether was a cushy life, whatever this, that, you know, mommy daddy, <laughs> you're coming from, from high school going into the United States military, and the second like you're all excited, you're all excited, you you got your go army shirt on, and yeah. you know, you're like, Yeah, you know, I'm going to boot camp, I'm gonna be G.I. Joe. Walking yeah. around, you know, the airport, look, looking forward to it, so proud. And then the second yeah. you get onto the fort that you're going for boot camp and that first drill drill sergeant gets on the bus and they immediately 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 strip you of all your fucking freedoms and who you are within one like instance then it it hits you and you're like what did i do yeah you know um again what is that it's just mental and and, and the biggest thing is it's being it's being a young kid trend and going from a, a 360 transition not like there's no settling into it it's a snap of your fingers yeah like Boom, like that, and I think that it it happens before you even realize it, and then when you start to realize it, you start to think about it. You're like, wait a minute, wait, 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 what did I do? Yeah, you know, because you know, did
1: you find that there were a lot of people that were like, okay, fuck this, like in that moment?
0: Um, not no? not really. Thinking back on it now, I, if I can remember the faces that everyone else had at the time, and I had the same thing. It was more of look of um shock. Right, you know, kind of like you're you're scared because you, I don't want to say you're scared, but you're you're uncomfortable because you got people screaming and yelling in your face for uh,
1: seemingly no reason, other than the fact that they're trying to shake the civilian out of you.
0: Yes, yeah, they have to break you in order to rebuild you as as a soldier, or you know, okay. So so it's part of the process, and the process starts before you even realize it started. You know, right. So uh, I think that that right there, y- yeah, it's it's really it was really the mental as- aspect of it. You know, um, that was the most difficult part just trying to adjust and and then when you realize where you are and what you're doing and what's happening to you you're like damn i have like nine more weeks of this and right nine weeks really isn't a long it's time it's not no but thinking about it now maybe at 18 years old yeah thinking, oh shit like what god i'm not I got nine weeks of this to go yeah it may it seems like a lifetime In
1: two and a half months yeah
0: yeah so i would say again basic training uh boot camp yeah yeah it, it is i would say 90 like five percent mental the other five percent is just you know if you go to boot camp somewhat in shape you're gonna you're gonna be a lot better off okay you know
1: okay so it's not um i mean you see you see some of course like most veterans all veterans anybody who, who gives their life to the military of course you have some base level respect for them um this and that but i know you've had your fair share of uh soldiers underneath you once you were promoted who were just you know lazy and just you know really not the ideal soldier so how is that dealt with in other words certainly we can't expect for every person that goes through the military to just be a 10 out of 10 human being right so how does the military deal internally with maybe people who shouldn't have a weapon or there's mental illness or there's somebody that you know is just really not good at doing their job for whatever reason whether it be a deliberate ignorance or something that they can't control or something that they haven't medicated or some other reason what how is that dealt with
0: yeah so once. Thing- thing um, I guess a stereotype of the military that a lot of civilians you know maybe think of you know they they see the military and they think oh these are the best human beings in the world these men and women are great this that the other and yes they are you know I agree but again going circling back the military is a business and in business you're going to have shitheads right right so in the military you have shitheads believe it or not ladies and gentlemen they are they do exist in the military serving actively
1: it logically follows that they would Yeah.
0: yeah so your question like what what do you like what does the military do about that yeah what is
1: the remedy like while okay so active yep. duty military mm-hmm. What is the remedy within the military and, and the army? Because that's the only thing you can speak to is the army,
0: right? Yeah. And, and for the most part, all the branches, like when it comes to stuff like that, are are relatively the same. With okay. A few differences here and there, maybe, yeah. but it, it's all the same. It's, it's, you're all, you know, it's all the same. Right. So, uh, I, but yeah, I'll speak towards, I guess, the army. So, and this is, you know, I'm talking about the time I served, which was from 2007 to 2013. All right. Um, But I know back in the day, more of that was dealt with. They called them wall-to-wall counseling which basically is, you know, you corner those got pe- those guys and you basically throw them into a wall and fight them, for example, right? right? And so they, they, they corrected themselves. Okay. That type style, unfortunately, kind of had to fade away um, because the army introduced this thing called HR, right?
1: When was that? So that hasn't always been a thing?
0: No, it, it has been a thing, but like a lot of stuff like that was just normal military culture and sure. it was overlooked until, you know... Which,
1: which there still is a ton of stuff that's overlooked.
0: There's still a ton of stuff that's overlooked, yeah yes but now there's more protocol and processes for like providing additional training Con- um what was the word that we used um corrective training uh to sold to mil you know to soldiers or basically yeah to-, to military personnel so um i guess right now the um the political um good answer would be um <clears throat> every month you have to have a counseling they call them counselings basically yeah, it's a one-on-one with that uh, so- with that soldier um you're supposed to go over certain topics supposed and who to are you document- speaking to <clears throat> if i have a one a counseling with a soldier it's normally um that soldier and then the first line supervisor so if i'm the sergeant and i have a soldier under me and um it's that time of the month where i need to deliver uh a counseling then we sit down together and basically have a one-on-one conversation we talk about opportunities strengths uh what we did well what we could get better at right sure. and that happens every month okay all right so therefore you have now you have documentation right okay um that's one thing um and it could be good it could be bad it doesn't matter you know but i'll get to where soldiers start to act like fuck up right when they make the mistakes everything goes off of uh, UCMJ, a uniformed code, code of military justice, right? Um, there's different articles on there that th- basically punishments that fit the crime, right? Sure. Depending on what you did, you get that's military. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. get you get, okay. you get this, that, the other. Um, there's always a punishment to it. So depending on what it is, like you know, depending on the severity of it, like you could be you could be demoted, uh, so stripped of your rank. You could be put on extra duty, uh, which basically means that um they take more of your free time away from you. Um, they could take your money, which also so that's
1: almost like. Prison.
0: oh yeah yeah well i don't want to say yeah yeah, yeah. so um so like so they so, so so yeah so they can demote you which uh coincides with um they can take your money they can dock your pay mm-hmm. so they can dock your pay they can demote you they can do both they can take your free time away from you um which means that if you know the units getting dismissed for the weekend at 4 30 p.m on a friday um and you're not due back in until monday morning uh maybe that the second that formation gets dismissed that soldier now has to work and then come in on saturday all day sunday all day and just never have any time off
1: okay the so, only thing
0: the military has to do is you have to you have to get four hours of sleep a day slash night okay and they don't have to be consecutive hours
1: okay so so i maybe i'm maybe i'm just not understanding the value in that but it seems like if a soldier is for lack of a better term jerking off you know at work Mm. um you know the solution is to just make them work more
0: no 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 so like okay so like if you say jerking off I'm thinking they are just not performing well that's when you provide like additional um counseling,s and like guidance. screwing up yeah yeah but okay not, but like again that's that's just basic like business right okay
1: so there's the difference between not doing your job correctly and kind of screwing around and yeah. then and then deliberate
0: yes like if you know you, like if you yeah. go out and get a DUI okay right or okay. if you go out and you beat your wife or if you go out or or, or your husband or if you go out and you know steal something or break shit or destroy something or really hurts like i'm talking about like that's when you really fuck up and do like bad shit
1: and that's when the martial martial law not martial law but like internal military that's when you're gonna be
0: stripped of your rank you're gonna be dock pay you're gonna all all your free time is now gone and what you said was so they're not performing well so you're gonna make them work more not necessarily so what it is is like you're not gonna get a, a punishment like that if you're just not performing the way you need to be uh, that uh, that comes again that, that kind of more lines with um uh just you know performance coachings and then like if you aren't like making the standard if you're not like if you're failing PT test if you if you can't pass basic um you know mental and physical um things that you need to pass in order to be a soldier then like they'll start the process of trying to get you out
1: wow get okay you out of the
0: military. now there's gray area in that too because say for example it's, uh, someone's like oh but my back and then Google checks out and the doctor's like yeah that person has a back problem they'll give him a um a profile and then it's almost like you almost can't touch them at that point, okay. But you can still start certain ad- admin things. But it's almost like now they're in a place where that you can't really touch them, But okay. you can't, you all, but you also can't like really kick them out. It, it, it's very like weird, um, with that. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So it's almost like how there's laws in place to prevent to prevent you know targeting Americans with disabilities, almost like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so okay. like I'm saying. So, but that's just like it's just a different set of rules in the military, obviously.
0: Just, just a different set of rules. Yeah. And so in the crimes, the punishments I was talking about, like the ones, again, I'll say again where they you know take your money your rank your, your your all your time that's because that the crime not the crime but like the uh f- the violation was was that bad and this is what you do this is this is what equals the this is the punishment that equals that violation you know? okay and yeah it could be for months it could be for three months like yeah. you know and some, sometimes some of these guys get on these things and they never come off because they keep on fucking up you know right if you go a wall same shit right um so again the the idea of that is like it, it, it's a punishment and um normally you're doing like you're doing extra duty they call it and it's basically like you're literally scrubbing and cleaning the bathrooms you're mopping the floor yeah um you're just doing you're just doing like you know you're you're cleaning up fan or, or a sidewalk with a toothbrush some shit oh, like geez, that yeah you know okay <laughs> so, so okay <laughs>
1: so you said something about counseling with your superiors this and that to be clear most of the time your superior doesn't have any kind of uh mental health training or training as a social worker or training in any kind of human science. Is. is that fair to say?
0: Um, and we like the support. Right. Yeah. So
1: like I'm saying, you're not talking to like a therapist. You're talking to your sergeant.
0: Well, I'm having a one on one counseling. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You call
1: it counseling, but it's really just relates to the job. Yes. Okay. Performance. Did you feel like throughout your time in the military, you had access to certain professionals? Aside from, I know that there's military doctors, this and that. I know that like physically you can see a a physician. But in terms of your mental health, did you have counselors, like certified counselors, therapists, psychotherapists, anything like that? Uh,
0: I want to say I'm sure they were available. Did I ever see one or was one ever like presented to me in a convenient fashion? Fashion, no
1: right so like in other words we as we know mental illness ptsd all these things are rampant in the military right yes so uh and i don't mean to, i don't mean to be like i i don't this isn't a deposition i'm not trying to like get you to say certain things <laughs> oh, but no, I know that. i'm just you know i'm just trying to get the bottom of it so um ptsd mental illness uh you know all these uh, depression anxiety all these things are rampant in the military and you didn't feel like there was somebody that was constantly like hey if you need to talk to someone i'm here type of thing no no No. okay so okay i see that i I
0: will say this when i well when i came back from deployment we all had to do this re-entry process okay this whole thing it took like three weeks to re-enter back into civilization i guess normal normal life right whatever you want to call it whatever normal life is
1: okay so maybe that process would be a little bit more helpful
0: well part of that process you have to sit down with a counselor yeah i don't know if they're a therapist but they were a counselor sure and they ask you so how you doing how you feeling yeah um you know is there anything that's bothering you? No? Okay, you're good. Stamp. See you later.
1: But over the course of three weeks?
0: That was like maybe three seconds, that part of it, but yeah. Like okay, the rest like, of it is? Maybe like two weeks. I it, Yeah, but like when, when it was when it was time to go, because you have this packet that you have to get stamped off and signed off to make sure you're good to go. You have all the correct stamps and signatures that you need. Okay. So going to the counselor is one of them, so you just go there and- hey. You get
1: your Disney passport stamped. And yeah, then you, okay. <laughs> and then
0: you're good. <laughs>
1: okay, so, and we'll we'll come back to that later, but uh, okay, so you were in the military between what years? 2007
0: and 2013.
1: Okay. And those years, how did you feel that women were treated in the military? By your own description. I don't want to like ask you any yes or nos and, and lead you to a certain conclusion. I just want to hear what your perspective is.
0: Um, From my opinion, from my experience, um, because um, the units that I were in minus one of them had women in it. Uh, so they're mixed units. Um, In my opinion, I think the women were treated equally. Okay. Um, because in some units you have women commanders. Okay. Um, you have women sergeants okay me being who i am how i grew up where i'm from again um i've i've never i've never seen color i've really never even seen gender like that so okay you know so I, mean? I understand so, like you so i can give you my viewpoint and perspective on it saying sure. that i didn't notice any um any kind of maybe um yeah like like discrimination like discrimination in regards to um regards to that
1: okay so you, you're saying like from an outside white male perspective you didn't really see any kind of
0: yeah, correct. Discrimination. Only, I get. Yeah, the only time I get not that even they were discriminated. discriminated against was uh, when I was in my with my unit in Germany. My unit in Germany was an infantry unit, so it was an all male unit. Um, but then um, the the medical station, um, we did get a medic in who was a female medic, and she mm-hmm. was the first female in the unit in like its history. Oh wow! And um, I don't think and that he- she was discriminated in any way either. You know? Okay, so you
1: saw no reason. Why the, that particular medic couldn't be a woman?
0: Oh, she yeah, but she was a woman, right? But yeah. What I'm
1: saying, like you didn't think, like, oh, Jesus is really a job suitable for a man?
0: No, no, and 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 on that note as well, um, I had uh, you know in my unit before that. Um, I had another uh, female medic um, as well, and she she actually went out on patrols. Like she was a medic, a medic has to go on patrols with um, with, you know whoever's going out. If you're going out on patrol, um, you need a medic with you. Mm -hmm. And she was would go there, you know, wouldn't miss a beat, no problem. Yeah, wouldn't cry about it. Actually, I think look forward to it most of the time. You know, get out and something to do. (sighs) Yeah, no, I mean I don't think sure.
1: I mean they all go through the same training at that stage. I mean exclusive of job training, like you all go through the same boot camp, whatever.
0: I I think um. I think uh, where the discrimination comes from was more at the higher levels. Yeah. So when the it older becomes people. like politics. Yes. Yeah. When you know read you, you know, you're looking I've read for like that high I've, ranking I've read promotion. I, yeah. I've read and seen shit. So I know like it definitely went down. 100%. Yeah. But you know f- the units that I was in. I was in three different units. Two of the units again um, had were mixed units with men and women. Uh, the one unit was not a mixed unit. Although I did say that um, we eventually did get one female who was a Medic. um mm-hmm. so i can't really yeah so i know what happened at the higher levels yes you know the levels that are supposed to be you know oh you know that we much respect to you know sergeant major so-and-so or colonel so-and-so they're the ones fucking doing it right you know right so.
1: Okay, so I guess you would. Is it fair to say that like maybe you didn't know fully what their experience is? Obviously, because you're not a woman, so you don't know. But yeah, from I your perspective, know. it didn't seem.
0: Yeah, from my perspective, like there was any favoritism. Right. Um. I'm not trying. Right. I'm
1: not trying to elicit any kind of response. I'm just asking.
0: No, I'm. I'm really just trying to think if there's at any point did something stand out to me where I was like, no, I don't. I don't think that's right, or that doesn't seem right. No, I, I don't think so. Again, from from I think that everyone for the most part was, was treated equals. Maybe that's also comes down to the the tight units that military um, culture creates you know it, it gets to the, to the point it, it's to where you don't see race, gender, sex you don't see that you just see like your battle buddy okay you know? and like a family member
1: okay so um i know that we've talked about this like you and i have talked about this because uh you made your way through the military uh single as in not married um through the whole time that you were in the military and i know that the military places a certain premium on uh on getting married and starting a family particularly because they'll give you more money if you have a family right
0: you'll get more money and you'll get like a, a like a, an apartment or a house to live in
1: right so um to that end i know you like you and i've talked about this in like not not joked about it because it's really not funny but like you know these young young people 19 20 years old getting married and then like a second later filing for divorce or a second later there's a domestic problem or a second later they're cheating on each other or whatever and i guess my question for you is um as a person who had decided when he went into the military that, like i'm not gonna get married here like i'm not unless i turn this into a career what did you think of like you know the military families and like the lifestyle of that
0: i mean uh, like for one i i i couldn't stand it this is why I'm not not cards on the table one because if if you don't have a family while you're in the middle if you're just a single guy or girl yeah you're almost treated like you don't matter right you know so like i don't like that 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 was some bullshit um so it's like, okay so my counterpart over here is 18 years old or 19 years, i'll say 19 19 years old as well and they ha- are married with two kids at 19 why does this person you know um get to live in you know a house and whatever and get you know paid for his benefits uh sure. so paid for his dependents and this that the other well i'm stuck here in a shitty barracks room and you i'm know? a
1: sergeant and he's a
0: whatever well th- years later same thing years later when i made the rank of sergeant um and i had soldiers under me who were you know of course married um you know why do they get to live in a house and i had a <laughs> shitty barracks room still you yeah. know um yeah well you know, i mean
1: aside aside from the point that military Personnel are grossly underpaid. I mean, I think we can agree on that. I mean, you just yeah absolutely the salary is just laughable but um so so it begs the question you know you see all this military spending and you're like where is that money going you know what i mean like it, it's it's crazy because you're like okay military salaries are, are are dog shit i mean if you want my honest opinion
0: yeah no no they they absolutely they're they're not they're not um i get they, they try to compare them to I, I i don't know how they do it however they do it needs to be really re-evaluated really because they definitely don't get paid enough um but at the same time i mean there's. There's also times where maybe you get paid too much because there's ways to sham in the military. There's ways to have a job to where like you're just not doing shit and like you're just you know you're you're leaving early. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so like what I'm saying is like it, it, it's hard to say, but I I've, I'll, I'll compare it to this. A lot of people get out of um, college right and they graduate college and they and they go right into the military. Um, you know after ROTC or something like that and immediately go in as a second lieutenant. Right. Thinking about what a second lieutenant makes, like not really that much. Right. Know? But like you're also fresh at a college sure so you got to almost compare it to you're fresh out of college and you just got entry your entry-level job door. yeah entry-level yeah. job you know yeah so it's almost like then if that's an entry-level job at a college then think about what you're going into as enlisted not even you know just going in as a, as a private you know yeah it's thinking about what some of the money i made then it's like pretty shitty money yeah but um what, at 18 19 years old i had like no debt i wasn't really and then when i deployed i wasn't spending anything sure so i saved a ton of money and
1: tax-free money right yeah, yeah yeah when i
0: deployed yeah so i saved a ton of mice. and my mom like oh i'm good i'm making a lot of money but really looking at looking at it, like i really wasn't you know and also
1: like the <laughs> sacrifice that you were making was like a, a, i mean colossal your life essentially, essentially you were in a war yeah. zone <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Okay, so that, that's a good segue to my next question. Okay, take us through, um, like, when you first found out you were going to get deployed and kind of how it went, how you got there, and then how things were once you were there.
0: Okay, so I first found out, so when I transitioned from reserves to active duty, I was sent to Fort Drum, New, which is in upstate New York, Fort Drum, upstate New York, home of the 10th Mountain Division is my first unit. I get there, you know, I, I basically, like, kind of check in, like, I'm here, coming off a of leave, um, and, um, you know, basically Basically, like the second I got there, um you know, walking me to the barracks, uh the sergeant who I had been with I was like, Yeah, yeah, you know, we're deploying, you know, deploying a march. So I was just like,
1: casually oh, like that. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> I, was, I was like, Oh, really? And he's like, Yeah, you know, we're going to Baghdad. So I was like, Oh, all right. Like I had just got there, you know, sure. like so. I was like, Okay, that's so that's basically how I found out. And then obviously, I've got. Gotten- Did you like freak out? Like, what were your feelings? No, no, I didn't freak out because again, at the time I, I was 18, actually just about to turn 19, like in a couple days. Yeah. And um. And
1: You're like this is what I enlisted for, basically.
0: Yeah, Yeah. like you know, I want to quote unquote I want to see the world. You know, sure. Well, I want to branch out. It's a hell of a way to start. Yeah, like I want to branch out of Neptune, New Jersey, and I want to uh, get off my life, and I'm trying to better myself. What better
1: place to do that in a war zone that we don't belong in? I mean, yeah. Anyway,
0: no, no, (laughs) yeah. Okay, so So you find out that you're
1: going to deploy in what amounts to what two months from then.
0: Got there. I got there in January, and then. They were like April we were deploying. Okay, but good old me got scheduled to, to be like one of the first people out. Okay, so I like left in March.
1: Okay, so, so you leave. Um, like, I know that uh, you took like a like obviously a military plane over to uh Baghdad. So so, you, so what happens when you get there?
0: All right, so yeah, so let's just say come late March, I got the I got the green light to go ahead. Green light, I got the go ahead to yeah, you're gonna go because basically, so I was going advent, right? Advent means you go ahead of the main bodies, right? So it's kind of like. We were the first people from my unit there on the ground. Okay. And I went in a small team. And um, the team I was assigned to go to Iraq with, we were assigned to guard intel equipment, and weapons connexes so I was in logistics and, and supply so therefore one of the jobs uh, of logistics and supply guys is to um, you're in charge of all the weapons and, and maintenance of the weapons and also like accountability and the security of all the weapons okay so um, we didn't so we sent a bunch of like three or four or five weapons connexes in advance you know they just had weapons in um, and my job was to guard the weapons connexes make sure and uh, basically Escort them, and make sure they got to where they had to go. When we land on the ground in Baghdad, mm-hmm. um, that was my. I was basically that was why I went. So I, it was me and like a bunch of intel guys. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it, really. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. So we took off early. So the main bodies actually flew on a commercial airline airliner to Kuwait. Okay. Um, a, a military contracted commercial airliner. Um, they flew after us to Kuwait because we were going early, and our job was to guard in trans, transport and guard and secure. Intel equipment and weapons, Conexes. We oh, we went different. We went on an Air Force C seventeen okay. in cargo. We took off um, from Fort Drum at like uh, nighttime. Okay, uh, I can't remember the date. We took off. And we were airborne. Before I know it, I wake up and I can see some sun coming out of, and I was in like a cargo net, you know? Yeah, could see, talk
1: about that. Could see
0: like sun. kind of. So I kind of get up. It was. I remember it was freezing. I'm looking down, not sure where we are. But we actually were flying to Germany. So we flew on the C-17 to Germany. X amount of hours later, I can't remember, maybe like 10 hours later, we land in in, uh, in Germany at an Air Force Base. Uh, it was my first time ever being out of the country. You okay. know? So I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, this is cool, you know? Yeah. Um, Ended up getting holed over there at an Air Force Base for like two days i think um and then we got back on the um the c17 and when we were given to go ahead to proceed to Baghdad, we got back on the C-17, um, secured everything, made sure we're good to go, took off. And then, uh, again, I can't remember the exact number of hours. X amount of hours later, I remember we were strapping ourselves in, getting ready for a combat land. Yeah. Um, so
1: essentially falling out of the airplane, right?
0: The airplane just kind of just does a nosedive straight down. Yeah. And then pulls up real quick and then lands with no lights. Right. Anywhere. Pretty cool. Um, Pretty cool. So, um, you know, I, I was like, do, we, do I have to, we were like, are we gonna need to get our flak jackets on, which was our, you know, our IBA. Our bulletproof vest, you know, or bullproof vests basically, and our equipment, you know, are we expecting to take any kind of fire or anything yeah. coming in? They were like, no, no, you're good, so you're good. So we didn't have any equipment nice. on. Uh we were but we were strapped in. So you know, we come in and all suddenly, like, real fast. It's funny, normally in a plane, uh the when you're landing, the plane slows down. Uh when you're when you're trying to land. Well, mm-hmm. in this scenario, the plane actually speeds up mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you, you hit the ground. Right. You know, and you're like, okay.
1: Bumpy landing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all I remember is um, so you land we landed in back Baghdad, but where we were um, assigned to, we were assigned to, to BIAP, which is Baghdad International Airport slash Camp Victory, Camp Liberty, which is all around there. So
1: you're down. So you basically did what is what amounts to what a normal person would say is a crash landing
0: in uh, the desert. Kind of, yeah, with okay. wheels though. You know. Okay. So so then all I remember is the second the doors opened, some people from the Air Force came in. We, you know, they had a sense of urgency going with them. We had to get moving. So then we had to grab all our shit. Uh, I so we had to make sure our vest was on our. Weapon Weapon was out. Our, our helmets, were on, everything. Our, our full battle rattle was was locked in. In addition to that, we had to make sure that all everything that we brought to Iraq with us, we were carrying. So we had duffel bags and stuff. Sure. Uh, we had rucksacks and stuff. We had to find a way to attach it, uh, everything to ourselves and hold it. And then we because then we ran off the plane. So you got to run. And you have to. You, it's like you have to move very fast. So it
1: begs the question. Because, like, because I have to because, be honest. Like,
0: what, well, hold on. Okay. So yeah. So when you when you get off the the th- reason why is because a bunch of planes are landing at that time but it was pitch dark right no lights right and the thing is you have to be quick because technically we were landing was not a secured area you weren't landing on a u.s air base. you're landing in Baghdad, in Baghdad in airport
1: right so my question is mm-hmm. it, you asked if you needed to put on your bolt or if you were at risk of being under fire or anything like that and it's like the answer is no but like also we're landing without lights also we're landing where we shouldn't be also all these things so like those two things seem to be in contradiction
0: no because well one this air this air force crew did this shit like every week. So they're okay. like, Yeah, no, nah, whatever. Okay. But no, because they were like, Yeah, we're probably we're not gonna be we shouldn't be taking any kind of fire coming in, especially shouldn't. the way especially the way we're gonna be coming in, even if they oh they are shooting like we, we might not know even know about it. So you're good. So it was oh basically like, but, but when we landed we're like now you gotta put everything but now you gotta put everything on. Right. So we're grabbing everything, we're coming out like and I'm talking about we're drelling's rushing, we're sweating because we just hit the desert. hmm I, all I could smell was the burnt rubber from the airplane um, tires, and we're running with all our shit, like it felt like forever, you know, right. to get to the other side um, of the airport where the other, basically where the U.S. forces were. We got running across, and then we get there finally, and then we come through, and I see like members of the 3rd Infantry who we were leaving, they were kind of just laying there, like some of them were giving some sleep, whatever, there was a lot of people kind of piled up, mm-hmm. and then um, basically uh, we ended up taking all our stuff to a tent, And, um...
1: And that was home. And
0: then the connexes and all the equipment got unloaded and secured by the Air Force. Okay. But it wasn't done yet because the next day we had to go out to another unsecured location to make sure that they were secured and to put like a tracker on them so we knew where they were.
1: Okay. So you were so you spent your entire deployment in a tent. Is that fair to say?
0: No, no, no. So um, most of my deployment my deployment was spent actually in a uh, we called it a chew, which is like a hut. It, uh, it, okay. It's it's like a it's like a tr- it's like a trailer like you don't okay. like those mobile trailers yeah, yeah. like yeah. a small like tr- Trailer. Yeah, like
1: classroom trailer, kind of like that?
0: Yeah, yeah. A, like a small one where you can fit like two people in it.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So really small. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's where you spent your deployment. Mm-hmm. How long were you there for?
0: So I um, I was deployed in total for 13 months. Um, I spent half of it in Iraq, and then I spent the other half of it actually in Kuwait, because um, at that time we were looking to um, – the U.S. military was trying to find ways to with, start to withdraw okay. from Iraq, um, and then I was sent to Kuwait to kind of help – Help um, the actual logistical officers. I basically helped support them and um, doing like what did I do? I did it like you know paper pushing stuff sure. like that. But I also did stuff to where um, they had to leave in Kuwait. They had to leave the base a lot, so I was the guy who had to drive them and also be their security. <laughs> because okay. I was a private, you know? Okay. So I would basically, actually, so basically I saw, I drove all around Kuwait almost every freaking day um, and would be like kind of like the security for these guys um, and just, you know, make sure that uh, I was like a shooter and a driver, you know, just okay. in case. I didn't, nothing ever happened in Kuwait that I, I experienced, but um, but that was it. And okay. s- certain things too, you couldn't stand out, so I'd actually have to go out like in civilian clothes. Right. With, but like with a rifle, but in Kuwait, I couldn't have the rifle out. So like I'd have it's to, like to keep pants. the rifle <laughs> like in the car with me or um, if I had to um, get out of the vehicle which I did a lot of times I would have maybe some kind of a sidearm um, okay. like a nine millimeter that I could kind of took away
1: okay you know? what was that story that you told me you told me, told me a story where you guys were kind of like sitting ducks was that in Iraq
0: yes yeah, so, so then in Iraq I'd yeah, I, I never told my mom this but I volunteered to go to be part of the, um, the battalion security team I volunteered to go on a couple of patrols and a couple um, times where we had to leave base because one um, I didn't like being just stuck in the base I <laughs> Yeah. actually wanted to go out and experience like experience it you know and that was just me being young and, and just curious really you know yeah. I wasn't like trying to get myself killed or anything like that but I, I did join the army to be a soldier and, and I enjoyed I took a lot of pride in that you know Okay. so um there was one time where we uh um, of course I volunteered for this one it was a long one it was like a it was like almost like a full 24 hours where we were out of the out of the compound so night and day multiple different trucks which included a Humvee and also a uh, AMRAP bus uh for escorting people but during the daytime on this particular mission um uh, we had like a translator with us and our mission we had to go and we had to go to one of the um the police precincts in Baghdad I forget what the reason was for but we had to do it so um we had a translator with us the thing about this translator is we ended up finding the translator hadn't been in Iraq in like 30 years oh wow. and couldn't remember
1: this is a military person
0: no like a contractor okay um and and f- couldn't remember couldn't like how how to get there yeah oh, yeah Jesus. so
1: and that's something you depend on a translator for
0: unfortunately yeah wow so got lost multiple times in like in the middle of the city and Iraq especially during this time very congested very overpopulated a lot of cars a lot of traffic like just a lot of shit you know so I remember uh that we got like lost a couple times we dismounted a couple times there's one time I had to stop I stopped traffic I'm 19 years old this time I stopped traffic at an entire like highway because we were walking across it trying to meet someone on the other side and so it was myself I was a private this time also another sergeant I think maybe one other and it was just us doing it with the translator mm-hmm. and so we leave so we cross the highway i stop traffic on it we go to the other side of the highway our humvees are parked in like but like in a, in a fighting position to where like if something were to happen mm-hmm. they would open up the 50 calibers on whoever was shooting at us or mm-hmm. yeah or what, if something happens if we, you know sure. blew up i don't know they would be able to um to, to to be in a position to fight so we did that uh spoke to the you know they were talking to the translator i was just kind of off to the side just kind of pulling security meaning like i was just looking at the highway i was looking at the buildings. I was looking at what was in front of me. I was I was my eyes were just scanning from five to twenty-five. Uh basically that's five meters to twenty-five meters out over and, over and over and over and over again. At that point, I started to sweat, maybe a little bit because I was like, I'm a sitting duck right here, you know? Yeah. Uh at the same time, I also said, you know, the sergeant looked at me and said, Hey, you want to go? I was like, Let's go. You know, like I'm not gonna back down, I'm not gonna be, right. gonna, you know, like this is what I signed up for. Let's go, you know. So then we end up crossing back over. Then we went down a freaking alley and the alley um the alley, like same thing. Humvees are outside with you know in a, kind of like a fighting defense defensive position. Someone tried to uh, to to go down that alley, and I remember um, I'm looking at one of the sergeants. I was like, "Hey, hey, sergeant, this guy's trying to come in here. Where you know what do you want to do?" And he had this look like, oh, "Shit, I don't fucking know." Oh you know? man. So he's like, "All right, you can come." And it was, he was like, "Remember, a, young, a younger a young Iraqi, maybe uh, Iraqi male, maybe um, early 20s, something like that." And he was crossing. He looked like you know like oh you know like you know I, I'm, I'm you know, I'm just trying to get to my my apartment or something like that. Sure, comes through us. I'm like, man, he's gonna pull something. I'm yeah, right now. Oh like, my god! This is, and this is all in one day. Many different times, I thought I was gonna like something was gonna happen. But again, this is that was what I was. It's so usually like the movies,
1: and it's always those guys that are like strapped with like a bomb or something. Yes.
0: Yeah. So yeah, the movie. And, and if you go watch the Hurt Locker, that's exactly what would have happened. in that situation. Right. Sure. But in in real life, in in real life that does happen. But given uh, given that time, it didn't happen. He just crossed, you know. And and, I'm, and we're looking. I'm staring. It's funny how I'm am ta- thinking about these memories. Now. I'm thinking about to my training, and it's, I'm going like I said, five and twenty five. Yeah. And I remember I'm looking at his hands, and I'm looking at like every movement he does. My finger like ready to go. Yeah. You know, and that was unsettling too because he's crossing right in the middle of us. Right. And he could have just simply pulled something. Right. And that would have been it. Goodbye. But there and then and then what happened was, and at the end of the day, we um you know. We we're, we're back in the Humvees we're, we're, we're moving then we get stuck in a traffic jam and no one's moving you know and then we see another AMRAP from another unit the guy steps out like trying to clear traffic and it's and the Iraqis look at him like fuck you you know yeah, like you, well yeah I mean think you, of
1: it like, from like peaceful civilians in Iraq and Baghdad like imagine being that Iraqi guy going to his apartment and like being like I have to pass this foreign military with their rifles yeah like that it's crazy what okay. their reality is. I mean I'm not saying you guys are wrong or anything i'm just saying that like imagine being that guy you know
0: well imagine it being here right and you're like hey i'm sure. trying to go to work yeah. i'm trying to get to my car and yeah have to pass and, a foreign yeah. military and you're like weapons, if you know? i
1: move even slightly they're gonna yep. open and, fire on me and, and, and like maybe not even care like
0: yeah and, and like you know that, that's what like i said like when, when those positions you know i'm you're scanning you're looking you're looking at everything you're looking at windows looking at the car in front of you you're looking at you know from five meters into 25 meters out you're, you're 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 searching your lanes um you know in that situation looking at the guy's hands looking at his movements anything qu- too quick you know you're ready right. you're ready to basically blow him blow him away um yeah that's stressful. So then we're sitting in there and sitting in in um in you know traffic not moving, going yeah. I mean this is a good time also. Um, but we have these things I can't tell you what they're called, but they're basically oh. GPSs and wow, uh, you, know, you could probably look it up. But uh, I don't want it. I uh, the US, uh, federal government coming after me for that. Oh okay. Um, but you can it, it's it's a GPS and we were able to find and reroute ourselves and find a quicker way back to base. Got back to base safe, uh, safely and um, that night um, got back into the ANRAP buses. Had to go back out uh, to the green zone. It was during the, the middle of the night to pick up some people, part of a unit. Picked them up and then brought them back. Um, Needless to say, after that day, the second I got back to my, uh, my chew, my hut, um, I mean, that night I didn't even take a shower. I just, I pulled my IBA off and all my equipment. I just, I basically just passed the fuck out. Yeah. Like, I was so fucking tired. Um, yeah. But, uh, what else? Oh, and and the first thing that happened that day too, very weird, very weird. But, um, the second we left post base, um, the second we got cleared the gates, uh, there was like three or four. Maybe five small Iraqi kids right outside the gate. Oh my god! And they came up and slapped the Humvee. <gasps> <laughs> so that oh. was the second we got out the gate that day. That was just a weird day, but um, luckily. Uh, and like
1: so, there's not. I mean, there's an understanding that it's like little kids,
0: right? They were like four, five. Yeah. At the, the oldest may have been five. And where were their parents?
1: No, nowhere to be found. No. Okay.
0: Really, uh, next to the walls of a U.S. military sure. installation. Oh my god! Um, yeah. So. so it is like movies. It literally is. Like, Some of it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, um, yeah. That was your deployment. Yeah. I mean
1: i mean we've been I, I can't believe we've been talking about this for almost an hour already but yeah, jesus I'm sorry, uh, no 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 there. no i want you i want you to share and i'm sure our audience is going to be loving every bit of this but before we wrap up i think the one thing and i know i said in the beginning of this episode that this is going to be about veterans and and i i would call it more like stories from a veteran than like vet, because we didn't really get into your post-military life but what would you say is something that uh is very positive that the va offers veterans and what is something va uh meaning Department of Veteran Affairs, um, and something that maybe could really be improved upon in terms of post military veteran service from our government.
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna call it out right right now. Um, this this I guess could attest to the VA, but also to other civilian organizations or civilian entities that that work for the military. But one is, um, I don't know where they get these people from, and I, not all, not all. There are some good ones, some very good, uh, professional people who work with the military mm-hmm. um so definitely not all but there are a lot of people who should not be in those positions um uh, because they fucking suck in va va, in VA. or other um other contractors that okay. work organizations for the, or, or okay. an organization that works for the military um i would say that some of the most disrespectful i don't give a shit attitude people came from these people um civilian contractors who work for and with the military right and they just have like i, I don't give a shit about i'm better than you because i'm a civilian attitude and i don't have to do what you say because you're not my boss attitude okay. and i'm gonna give you less than a fuck care because i don't have to do what you say because i'm a civilian and you're not my boss and i can do whatever i want attitude. right a lot of that and so a lot, now and now a lot of people in managerial positions who like shouldn't be i, I think i've spoken I've spoken about this before in another episode like toxic leadership they are like in my opinion like you have a lot of people in in leadership positions in in, in like the va or whatever who should be get them as far away from any type of leadership position as possible you know okay because they're so, terrible
1: okay but so yeah. then that kind of that kind of circles back to what you were saying they were trying to shake the civilian out of you at the very beginning so now do you kind i guess you kind of would arguably see why they want to get the civilian out of you well, at that early stage so that you're not then being insubordinate like these people clearly are well
0: these people though weren't like soldiers right yeah they were just they were civilians right contracted by the military right
1: and that gave them and having that civilian status gave them the ability to say f you i can do what i
0: like, I, I think that they felt, yeah, they felt empowered over the military because they, they felt like they're empowered and they were better than than us right and it's like dude are you kidding me like we would come back from a deployment or whatever like that and like for the most part they just wouldn't give a fuck right and i I get it like you deal with soldiers every day i got you you know sure and we're not yeah
1: like there's no delusion that you know soldiers are all easy to deal with obviously right right just like anything else right so
0: i I would say um you know my advice if um anyone out there is ever listening to anything i'm saying um the the biggest opportunity for improvement in the va and also in um other civilian uh, organizations that are affiliated with the military and contractors. Honestly, like you need to really look at the people you're hiring and hire better qualified and better quality professionals. The vetting process. Yeah. yeah. Not not even people like professionals. Mm-hmm. Like who are um you know customer centric and who uh value their value working with the military and treat the military as j- just treat it as, as equals sure you know yeah um that's it that's pretty, pretty simple and guess what like put the right people in who pe- put the right people in ma- leadership positions you mm-hmm. can't just throw a direct jackass in a leadership position who's underqualified who doesn't give a shit about people because they're gonna make it terrible right you gotta throw good quality leaders in good in positions like that sure or else you're gonna have this um toxicity what? toxicity right yeah. so a lot of you know a a lot of the people who do work for them are ex-military. Some of them are veterans. A lot of them are veterans, and you know, what? most of the time, working with those veterans, were are fine. Um, but then again, it's funny too, because a lot of times that um, those veterans, if they get out like a high rank, like a sergeant major or something like that, right? They get out, but because they were, you know, in the military for you know 28 years or whatever, and they were a sergeant major, they still have that mentality, which is fine. I can work with that more. But it's the people who, um, you know, want praise for working with the military who, but never served, never would touch in Iraq or Afghanistan right. who...
1: So what you're saying is there's there's plenty of opportunities that should be first come first serve for veterans that are being filled by people who don't maybe necessarily have the experience that a veteran would inherently have from their military background.
0: Definitely think first come first serve. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like you need a di- diversity. Diverse, totally. Yeah. So but what I'm saying is if you're gonna hire someone who to work with the military who is not has not served in the military, you need to, you need to make sure that you're hiring the right people. Yeah. You can't just hire a jackass because. A lot, unfortunately, a lot of times uh, you get these people because they couldn't get a job anywhere else. Sure, they weren't qualified. They didn't have the education. They didn't have you know the people skills. They didn't have the, this this you know the um they didn't have the correct qualities. You know, right. so therefore, guess who will take them though right the freaking government you know
1: so okay so we've clearly there's you know i I mean you and i can go in circles around a lot of the ways that the va can improve that the military infrastructure can improve but what is one like what is the most positive thing that and i'm not talking about you know uh like building integrity or any. like i'm I'm talking like concrete thing that you got out of the military like once you were done what was the most valuable thing that you got from your veteran status or from having served
0: as a person yeah i the military definitely and maybe one day Will go into my childhood and my past. And a lot of what happened in my childhood and past also contributed to me joining the military. So, to sum up in short, though, when I got out, I really noticed that the military provided gave me, made me disciplined. It, it made me disciplined. It made me more structured. It made me more organized, believe it or not. It, it made me understand things differently, uh, it made me understand who I was. And although, you know, I was very young, I went in when I was 18, got out when I was 24. And when I got out, I was still a young kid, had a lot to learn, um, a lot to, you know, to grow and develop. But it, it gave me um, the structure and the foundation to be successful um and to be to always continue to want to fight and be better than what i am today you know i okay. talk about you know a goal for tomorrow is to be better than you were today sure i believe that i know that the army it, it helped molded me mold me into who i am today and you know who i am today at 31 um, you know who I am as a person and who I am professionally. Um, that all came from what I got out of six and a half years and as a soldier in the United States Army. Cool, you know, that's a good answer. So, yeah. yeah. So, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm very thankful for it. And I truly believe that if I hadn't joined the military, I would not be who I am today. Yeah. So. Um, You've said that multiple times. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, good shit. I mean, I think we could definitely do like a total another episode on this of your stories. Yeah, There's a lot. I, There's I even, so much. I know I we didn't
0: get into my time in in, in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: Like, no, I, I kind of wanted to focus on like the wartime service because I think that that's a hot button issue right now. But certainly we can do another episode like this. Um, if you guys like this episode, let us know. WJT podcast on instagram podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions for julian um about his military service i just kind of went off of questions that i've heard people ask him and you know aside from the rude ones like i think there's always that person's that that's like did you kill anyone while you were and it's just like so inappropriate yeah that that's that's like a, a really dumb, that's inappropriate like a, question a dumb question to ask a veteran yeah oh, so fyi like, yeah don't, so don't fyi ask a veteran that question. don't ask a veteran that question is not a good thing um but yeah i kind of you know i've heard my family ask him questions i've heard our friends ask him questions and i've kind of just uh you know boiled it down to what i think is like kind of the most interesting stuff that he's got to share obviously that's not to say that we couldn't do a whole other two and a half three hours on this but in the interest of keeping our episodes around the hour mark uh we are gonna wrap it up here any final remarks from our veteran
0: thank you everyone who has served and who continues to serve and seriously um your service is hugely appreciated and this country really needs people like you to help us stay on the right path and the right track in and uh, moving forward with um with life and with uh, who we are as, as a nation.
1: Great. Well then I think that'll do it for tonight. Until next time.
0: We're just talking. Perfect perfect perfect, perfect. Hosted on